Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he gave us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Word of God for our meditation this morning. This last Judgment Sunday is our second lesson, 2 Thessalonians 1, 5-10. We read again, This is evidence of God's righteous verdict that resulted in your being counted worthy of God's kingdom, for which you also suffer. Certainly it is right for God to repay trouble to those who trouble you, and to give relief to you who are troubled along with us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his powerful angels, he will exercise vengeance and flaming fire on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Such people will receive a just penalty, eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from his glorious strength on that day when he comes to be glorified among his saints and to be marveled at among all those who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. This is the word of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ, with the Nationals' World Series win, win still fresh in people's minds, it's probably not too late to think about baseball. So imagine. Imagine that you are watching a close and hard-fought game. It's the top of the ninth inning, and the home team is winning by one. The pitcher has gotten himself into a jam with runners on first and third, sorry, first and second, and the, and the count is two and two. He throws a fast ball that's supposed to nick the low inside corner, but instead goes right down the middle. The batter swings and connects. The ball goes over the head of the right fielder and drops just right in front of the wall. The batter and both runners take off. Marcos, the guy on second, doesn't even bother looking into the outfield. He just runs all out, turns the corner at third, and touches the plate in front of the catcher before the right fielder has even picked up the ball. He's clearly safe at home. But Johnson, the guy who started on first base, decides this is the time for heroics. He touches second, rounds third and heads for home as the ball is thrown, with just one bounce to the catcher waiting at the plate. It's close, but the catcher gets the ball in his glove and with one motion turns and tags Johnson just a fraction of a second before he slides in. Everyone waits for the umpire's call and Johnson's out. Cast out into outer darkness, away from the Lord and His strength and love, into a burning lake of sulfur where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched, because that's what happens when you're not safe. You know, we might take being safe more seriously if the stakes were that high and the cost of being out was that big, wouldn't we? And baseball players would be a lot less inclined to take any risks running the bases. Life is not a game, but it is tragic how few people, even including Christians, how few people really appreciate the stakes and understand the cost of being called out at the last judgment. 
and how few people therefore take being safe at home as seriously as they should. So it's good. It is good to have a Sunday like this one, Last Judgment Sunday, to reacquaint ourselves with the reality of what will happen at the end of all things and at the end of our lives, to remind and encourage us all to be ready, ready with faith in Jesus when the day of judgment comes, so we can be safe. Now, of course, one of the reasons that we as believers can lose focus on what's coming is that too often we get distracted or even overwhelmed by what has already come and is in front of us right now. And when our now is full of pains, troubles, and frustrations, a safe and joyful later can seem both unrealistic and unattainable. That was one of the problems that the Thessalonian Christians were facing. Their lives were very difficult. Since Paul and his co-workers had brought the gospel to them, they had had to deal with, with conflict, mob action, arrests, persecution, and, and opposition both open and personal. It's hard to focus on a, a future good when your present is filled with bad. So Paul wrote to them to try to switch around their, their perspective so that they would see their sufferings in a different and much better way. Those troubles, he reminded them, were not evidence that the Lord didn't care what happened to them or that he was somehow punishing them for anything they had done wrong. Quite the opposite. They were instead evidence that they belonged to God and to His kingdom. Because if they didn't, there would be no reason for the evil world to be targeting them. So rather than being signs of God's disapproval, their sufferings were signs of His favor. Through Christ and by faith, they had been declared righteous in His sight. And he counted them worthy of his kingdom. Now you and I might not be facing outright persecution the way the Thessalonians were, but we still suffer because we belong to Jesus. Sometimes it is overt. Somebody mocks you for believing in Jesus or creation or for bothering to go to church. Or maybe it's more subtle. People leave you out of things because they don't really want a Christian who takes his or her faith seriously, spoiling their fun. But often the crosses that we bear as Christ's followers are internal and, and personal. Your discipleship costs you opportunities for fun, costs you opportunities for relationships with, with people who are opposed to your faith, or costs you jobs or, or chances to, to make money that, that, that you must reject as improper for Christians, and so on. Perhaps you even suffer in, in 
not giving in to your desires and emotions when, when cancer or grief or anger or disaster strikes or when you are treated unfairly. You restrain your sinful impulses when it would be so much more comfortable, so much more enjoyable, so much more normal to just let them rule you. But Jesus told us that following him in faith, while it would gain us forgiveness, life, and salvation, warned us that it would be this way. If he was mistreated, and if he suffered in this sinful world, and he most certainly did, then it is only to be expected that we, his disciples, will be mistreated and suffer too. The Apostle Peter wrote about this in his first letter. Dear friends, do not be surprised by the fiery trial that is happening among you to test you, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, rejoice whenever you are sharing in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted in connection with the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer, a thief, a criminal, or as a meddler. But if you suffer for being a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God in connection with this name. So, while we may not be safe from this world, or safe even from our own sinful nature, while we live this side of eternity, our sufferings are evidence that we do not belong to this world. We belong instead to Christ and to his kingdom. Our pains and problems are not punishments, but proof of who and what we are. Followers of Jesus and beloved children of the Father. Which means that even when we are in danger, we are safe. Safe with our Savior. It doesn't matter what the world or the devil or the government or, or nature or disease or false friends or hostile enemies might do to us. The Lord and Creator of the universe is on our side, is at our side, and is in our lives to guard guide and protect us. And even, even if we were to suffer death at their hands, we are in God's hands. And in the end, He will take us home to a place that is infinitely better than this one, which is the exact and tragic opposite of what those who mistreat us and cause us problems will receive from the Lord. As Paul says, and as we can expect, it is right for God to repay trouble to those who trouble you. And this is not talking about earthly justice, or karma, or comeuppance, though he may sometimes let us see such things. This is the eternal price that will be paid for hostility to God, even if they think of it only as hostility to His people. 
Our opponents and enemies may feel safe in this life, but they will be anything but in the next. They will get what they have earned on the last day, fully deserved, unending, and in abundance. And this will be the case not only for those who have caused us to suffer, but also for all who have, for whatever reason, refused the grace of God in Christ. The Thessalonians were particularly dealing with Jews who knew all about the Lord from the Hebrew Scriptures, but who had explicitly rejected the idea that Jesus could be their Savior, that they could be saved entirely by what He did for them with His cross and empty tomb without them earning salvation on their own by their own efforts. Their own efforts at obeying God's law and avoiding sin. Today, we, we tend to deal more and more with people who we might call post-Christian because they grew up with a familiarity with the truth or the outside edges of the truth, but have rejected it. They, they aren't particularly interested in God's law, as the Jews were, but, but they have similarly determined that a Jesus who did everything for them is just something they're not interested in. Whatever they think the way to salvation is, they're going to go it alone. And though the word is not specifically used here, Let's be clear what the trouble that God will repay to our troublers and to unbelievers will be. We're talking about hell. Some years ago, there was a book and then a movie, Heaven is Real. Our society would probably be benefit more from something titled, Hell is Real. Look how the Holy Spirit, writing here through St. Paul, speaks of what awaits those who do not submit to and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus will exercise vengeance in flaming fire. They will receive a just penalty, eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord and from His glorious strength. In Revelation it is described graphically as a, a lake burning with fire and sulfur. And Jesus spoke of it as outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is not a place anyone will want to be. Even if it were true that that's where all the fun people will be. Because no one will be having fun there, even if they're surrounded by all their friends. Hell is a place of deserved and eternal suffering, and entirely unnecessary. Because Jesus suffered all of those things for everyone and their sins. But if you reject His gift of forgiveness, and salvation, then you end up getting what his gift was meant to remove. So thank God that heaven is real too. On the same day that the Lord comes and deals out judgment to his and to our enemies, he will be glorified among his gathered saints, us, all believers. 
as He is revealed from heaven with His powerful angels, He will give us relief. Relief from every pain, every problem, every tear, every trouble, every enemy, every annoyance. When Jesus returns, He will take us to the heavenly home that He has lovingly and patiently prepared for us since His ascension. And there we will be perfectly and eternally safe. Nothing will ever disturb or threaten us or our bliss or our peace. Never again. Never more. Now, we could exercise our imaginations for hours trying to figure out exactly what heaven will be like. But it is more than enough to know that it will be perfect and that we will be with Jesus forever. Certainly forget about images of harp playing and halos and floating on clouds. Just focus on the fact that what Jesus has secured for us with His suffering, death, and resurrection, that is now our home. That is the place where we belong. And since there will be no sin or imperfection there, it will be all joy all the time. We will be restored to the perfect fellowship that was ours before Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. And nothing, nothing will be between us and the Lord's love. That, by the way, reminds us of what it is that makes hell so miserable. It's not ultimately the fire or the bad company. It's the separation the separation from the Lord and His love. While we live on earth, even the crassest and most hostile of unbelievers enjoy the blessings of God's care and providence. He loves them, after all, and this is everyone's time of grace. But after the judgment, that is all removed. There will then be nothing between them and the horror that is, independence from God. And that is what we too deserve because we too are sinners. So hell is not a place for people who are worse than us or different or less worthy. It's a place for people just like us. The difference is that we as a gift of the Holy Spirit, have put our trust in Jesus and in Him alone. And they have rejected Him and His salvation. And we have heaven as our home, not because we are more worthy or more lovable than they are, or because we have done more good things than they have, the only reason that we or any of the saints will be welcomed home by Jesus when He comes to judge is because God is gracious. In love, He gave His one and only Son over to suffer and die on the cross in our place 
paying the price for all our sins. And in power, He raised that Son from the dead to pave the way to paradise for all who put their trust in Him. We will get relief on the last day. Not because of anything that we have done, but only and entirely because of what Christ has done for us. Whether that day comes quickly or not for a long time, and whether that day comes first or we meet Jesus earlier through death, we have God's assurance written in His own Son's blood, His assurance that we belong to Him now and are under His powerful protection and purposeful care. And even more, the assurance that heaven is ours, paradise the blessed, a a new and perfect place where no trouble will follow us forevermore. We will be perfectly safe at home. Thank you, Lord. Alleluia. Amen. Please rise. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, both soul and body, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.